Um, so this week on the Trackside Podcast, the title is, Do You Have to Like the Classics? So the general idea when, uh, when we put this down is, um, a lot of the time in, you know, when someone's really into music, they'll feel that they have to like these older albums that are sort of staples of, you know, music history and everything like that. You look through the reviews, oh, 10 out of 10, 9 out of 10, 10 out of 10. Um, but as two younger gentlemen of a modern generation, <laughs> I think we're Gen Z, yeah. are we? Or something like that. But we thought, well, Sasha particularly, we'll just say, has been sceptical of, you know, the status of classic albums. As yeah, I, I have, I have, yeah. So we thought we'd run through some, you know, bona fide, oh, these are, you know, classic albums, everyone should listen to these, and actually see how much we like them from a modern perspective in 2020. Yeah. And our personal taste as well. Again, similar to the Strokes one, nobody cares. <laughs> these are still... <laughs> these are still obliged to listen. Yeah, these are still classic albums, so... Yeah. It doesn't really matter what we say. For me, I think the whole uh, point of it is that there's like a stigma surrounding that kind of music where it's like uh, music that your parents have listened to or music that your like favourite artists have listened to and drawn inspiration. You know, like like uh, Bruce uh, Springsteen and yeah. Pink Floyd. Oh, he's like shredder on guitar and stuff. And mm-hmm. a lot of uh, the greats of our age have taken inspiration from them. Whereas like I feel like sometimes people just like that kind of music because it's now like embedded in uh, pop culture and maybe like it was a revolutionary for their time but I feel like uh, music has moved on since then yeah and some of the greats that we consider like groundbreaking now or maybe not so much when viewed through the lens of millennials yeah (laughs) yeah yeah so and one thing I will say is we're gonna kind of separate well somewhat separate that like you know, oh, this was revolutionary at the time aspect. And we're kind of looking at this, as I said, through like our view, we've only been alive this century. We don't know what happened last century. Mm. We weren't there when it came out. So like, it's cool if it was revolutionary then, we're listening now and seeing if it holds up. So (laughs) yeah, I think the whole like thing about this podcast is that this is literally all of our opinion. (laughs) It's not like bona fide, it's not certified, it's not like... Like we said, we have no qualifications mm-hmm. or reason to be uh, claiming that uh, we know our stuff. But it's just kind of our opinion, really. And just for those out there who, you know, someone's been like, you have to listen to this album. It, everyone loves it. It's a classic. And then you listen to it, you go, well, that was fine. Yeah. But you're nervous. You don't want to be like, well, that was fine. Because, mm-hmm. you know, you feel like people might judge you. But we're here to say some of them are shit. So... <laughs> Yeah, no, exactly. Like in those words, some of them are like atrociously bad. Yeah, exactly. Um, so the general rundown for uh, how we structured this episode was that we would give each other three albums each, mm-hmm. um, one that we like, one that we dislike, and one that we're kind of indifferent to. Uh, so we kind of acknowledge its existence, but we don't have uh, that strong of an opinion over it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we swapped albums and then had a listen, and now this is us talking about uh, those albums to each other yeah, for so the gave, first time. Yeah, so we gave each other these albums a week ago. Yeah. We can, we can, yeah. yeah, a week ago, I think so it we've was. we've had a week to listen to it. Yeah. Um, I think we'll start with the each other's least favourite. So the one I gave you that was my least favourite, and the one you gave me that you disliked. Okay. Sense. Do you want to list them straight off, or do you want to just hold the suspense? Oh, that's a good point. Um, 
And we'll hold the suspense. We'll hold the suspense. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. so we're starting with the ones that we disliked. Yeah. So yours. <laughs> so, um, so the album that you gave me that you disliked the most was not in the world. I just oh, dislike yeah, this. No, but... I, don't, I don't dislike this album the most in the world. It's just you know in the yeah, context. But uh, from your list was definitely maybe by Oasis, mm-hmm. which actually made Hell me piss yeah. myself because <laughs> from the three that you gave me, I was just like. Like, this was the one that I thought that you'd be, like, indifferent to. Mm-hmm. But when you were like, I hate this album, <laughs> it was so funny. Right. Um, Any Oasis ones out there, I'm sorry, but <laughs> just not that into it. Yeah. Um, so, would you like me to read off my opinions? Sure, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just you, you far away. Um, this was uh, just an album that I listened to late at night with my LEDs blasting uh, to the sounds of the music. Mm-hmm. So, so, like the uh, colours were like changing to every yeah. beat so I could feel immersed mm-hmm. which is actually not what happened um, <laughs> I was literally going to say what, how many what the colours changed what twice in a song <laughs> that's uh, the general gist of my criticism for it just as a spoiler there but um, yeah crack on yourself yeah what I said for this was that there's a pretty potent uh, mod stigma that's kind of associated with this album yeah because yeah, I mean, all the... Um, uh, Worst people. <laughs> no, <I'm> nah, nah. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, the whole kind of mod culture loves yeah. the whole of Oasis. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, like, especially this album, and I feel like mods that like this kind of album feel like it's, you know, uh, rich. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, like but, full of content yeah for them full of like flavor and depth and um meaning whereas okay yeah whereas i would tend to disagree mm-hmm. but what i tried to do kind of as i listened to this was to look past the whole uh, uh stigma yeah yeah so look past the culture and just and try and separate the, the art from the artist yeah yeah um so to start off, some of my personal favourites from uh, from this album was Live Forever mm-hmm. and uh, uh, Rock and Roll Star, but for some reason I wrote down Rock and Roll Sound, which is why I think I was <laughs> sort of trying to describe it. Yeah. But anyway. It's pretty rock and roll, bro. Yeah. Um, I, uh, yeah, I don't mind. God. Carry on. Sorry. <laughs> Just carry on, yeah. To be fair, from the three albums that you gave me, this was actually my favourite. It was your favourite? Yeah. And you're talking about it like this? Well, right, no. So I did actually... That doesn't bode well. No, no. Like, so I did actually enjoy it. Mm -hmm. Um, And I feel like for the band that kind of Oasis were at that time, um, this was, you know, such a good album to start off with. Yeah. And it really uh, kind of encapsulates uh, Liam's uh, voice, which is uh, kind of... I mean, some might say that it's <laughs> shit. Some might say that, but like, yeah. So I just, I won't interrupt again. I just kind of, it's fine. <laughs> no, no, this is kind of, it's a nice stuff ad lib. Yeah, yeah. thrown at me. But he has quite a whiny, nasally voice, mm-hmm. which I feel is put on so he can sing well. Because I feel like if, like if it wasn't for those kind of characteristics, then holding a tune might be hard yeah. but um he's also from manchester though not even in a d- dickhead way but they generally <laughs> have like the kind of like that you know they've got a cold sound you know what i mean yeah so um 
but I kind of like his voice on this and it fits, but now it like, kind of hasn't, um, <laughs> sorry, I'm choking a bit of water. <laughs> um, like the whole voice hasn't aged that well. Um, because even like all the kind of the yeah that he does is, you know, like it's a bit old now. Yeah. Um, but there are some great moments from this album I've liked. And, um, so I've just kind of taken like one or two bullet points for each, uh, song. So, um, so I'll just go through a few. I won't go through all of them. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, uh, so rock and roll star, I just said, um, and not much to say about it. But just a classic '90s rock guitar sound. Yeah. Um, some of the other ones, like uh, "Live Forever," uh, classic kind of uh, so like a repeating of a phrase that's quite apparent. Yeah. In uh, quite a few of their songs, and then I kind of started to uh, lose my interest by "Up in the Sky," which is one of my least favorites because his falsetto like is too forced yeah yeah yeah. like it's not natural at all and it probably took you know quite a few tries to actually get to be <laughs> that kind of yeah pitch it could have, so have been nice live i don't think surely yeah not. yeah um so then the other uh, stuff i have by columbia yeah kind of captures the essence of rock um <laughs> <laughs> by, kind of. by supersonic i said um so i uh, quoted him by saying um so i'm feeling supersonic give me gin and tonic dot 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 come on bro like it's <laughs> such a weak line um so you know i don't mind supersonic off. that much yeah and then the, the rest, rest is the rest. um the rest and my bullet points are yeah cool fine classic rock and then by slide away uh, haven't I heard of this? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, like, yeah. It's kind of repetitive, but mm-hmm. like, uh, their tones are very similar. The drums are very mundane, uh, mediocre, um, kind of absent in the mix. Yeah. And I wouldn't like to listen to this album straight through ever again. Yeah. Um, Just to clear this up, this is your favorite yeah. of the three. Yeah. Okay, this is, is going to be a rough episode. Yeah. Um, uh, but all in all, like, so in terms of. So if I was to give it a kind of out of five rating, yeah, I'd probably give it like a two. Okay. Well, what yeah. I was going to caveat these things is with is I was going to say, oh, we should do at the end of each one, classic or stinker. So you have to sit on either side. There's no sitting on the fence. Oh, right. And yeah, now, okay, let's do that. Yeah. Now re- no, but now I'm realizing there's going to be a theme through years where you're going to pick one for the, all of them, I think. No, I'm not. Okay, okay, we'll go... Oh, is that... So, definitely, maybe. Classic or stinker, Sasha? Um, yeah, stinker. Okay, and you're not going to go for stinker for all of them? No. Okay. No. Okay, fair play. I would <laughs> I would tend to agree, yeah. I will give it a similar, like, two out of five. It's just, it's just not the sound for me. What were your... Um, what were some of the things you didn't connect with? Um, I just, I just can't connect with that sound... Yeah, like you were saying, those super good, washed out. Yeah, so washed out. And one of the the album that you gave me is your least favorite. That will go on to. It's the same thing where it just feels like background noise, mm-hmm. and then yeah. but the vocal line can't. He doesn't have the vocals to make it interesting. Yeah, it's actually got annoying vocals of anything. <laughs> so it just doesn't. It's just a sound that doesn't work for me. I they they're quite good at writing. You know, they've got some memorable lines in them some classic hooks and stuff like that, you know? There's ones everyone can repeat, but the fact everyone yeah. can repeat them, 
like when you're all wasted isn't you know what I mean mm. like you don't need to be a good singer you can all sing it if that makes sense yeah, it's clearly no, not um, pushing the pushing the boat out very much there are many moments throughout this that I feel like I'm at like tea in the park or something where it's just like really like it sounds like a live festival feel but it's only for like really small parts of the it whole it just sounds album. like they were playing for stadium rock yeah yeah um, exactly yeah um, it's just a washed out sound for me. Just, uh, I can understand its appeal, but I couldn't understand its appeal for like a whole album. Mm, I yeah. feel like, I don't know if there probably is. Yeah. I'm sure there's plenty of Oasis fans that love the album, but like, I just can't understand like in this whole album back to front. I can, I can understand yeah. taking certain songs cause it is a bit of a novelty sound, but no, it's just not for me. Like that's kind of the point of this whole thing is to challenge the norm yeah. And be like, why would you actually like this, to be fair? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so, yeah. So, anyway, definitely maybe is a stinker for me. Um, yeah. And uh, your least favourite, so. Yeah, well, so, there we are. Right. Um, on to, I've, there's some similar themes for your least favourite, which was Back in Black by ACDC. Yeah. Now, to be fair, I was considering this <laughs> to give to you as my least favourite, <laughs> and then you gave it to me. So, that's a bad start. Um, honestly... The main problem I had with this is it sounded like they had a computer algorithm and they put they they wrote back in black and it was fine yeah. and then they put back in black into a computer and said <laughs> write an album for us. Yeah, and that's yeah, my main no, problem. You're right. Um, yeah. Hell's instantly Hell's Bells. The first thing I just said is his voice. I just can't stand it. Uh, <laughs> it's a bit harsh, but it's I. Um, who's the who was the singer before Bon Scott? the ACDC singer he died and then they wrote Back in Black was the album just after um, and Brian Johnson's voice I just can't you know I just can't really stand it mm. it's not it's not an awful riff as well um, God it's just so much background every, every almost every single song it's just like I wrote there's just like blasting chords basically like guitar chords in the background yeah and the bass is so low in the mix. It's like it's there as like a sample just to be put in the background to beef it out a bit. The bass guitar. Oh. The bass guitar. Okay, bass guitar, yeah. yeah. Like I actually heard it at one point and it was just, I can't remember for what song it was, but it was like the hook and it was just going. Dum, 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 dum. I was like, how could you, he makes a living off doing that. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Um, also, uh, I really should have highlighted the specific ones, but obviously at the time, he's a rock and roll star. He's mm -hmm. a rock star. He's living the life. I've only ever seen this man as an old man. So um, when he says stuff like, let me put my love into you, babe. Let me cut your cake with my knife. It makes me feel a little bit sick. <laughs> okay. Because he's like 70 now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but to be fair, that's not, you know, that's not his fault. He's writing at the time. I'm like, fair enough. But, you know, I'm just like, come on, mate. This is a <laughs> bit age well. Um, for me, yeah, Back in Black is one of the highlights. It's just a classic. And one thing they did in that, which I, this might sound just like I'm, you know, taking a, like a big topic and narrowing it down. They did like, uh, when they did staccatory riffs. So obviously the Back in Black is like, -na -na, -na -na, you yeah. know what I mean? Generally in the songs they tried to use that, it was a bit better, but... For a lot of them, it's just ringing out electric guitars 
I, I was surprised to find there was two guitars, to be honest, because they're both doing the same thing for every single song. Yeah, like, one of the things that can discredit that kind of rock music in a single sentence is, go turn off your distortion, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah, Then yeah. it doesn't sound impressive at all. Yeah, exactly. Um, there's actually a whole video on YouTube. I never... Um, uh, for some reason, I can never remember, like, the uh, names of the people that post them, but, like, it's just uh, some guy... He plays like uh, classic rock riffs um, without uh, distortion on, and like it's so like twangy and just beep boom. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's just like so sad and lonely. Um, so like that's why for this kind of album, it's like you're so lucky that there's a distortion pedal out there that you could whap on. You know. Yeah, the ones I enjoyed most, I I realized as I was like doing the notes on them. Um, both the ones you gave me and my ones to you is ones where there's a it's just there's something thematically you know what I mean Mm -hmm. as well uh, which they sometimes match with the sound effectively this it's just like I play rock I shag birds (laughs) and now he's 70 I just think of that which you know that's probably my fault and like knocking me out with your American thighs I'm like God, bro. There's just a definition of like <laughs> sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Yeah. This whole that's like the, that's something like the creepy uncle would repeat at Christmas. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I once had this girl knock me out with her American thighs. <laughs> um, yeah. I didn't mind. Uh, I think it's what do you do for money, honey? I wrote what would you do for money, honey? It's whatever that one, whatever that fucking shit is called. But um. <laughs> It's, it's actually one of my one of the battles of the song. It's something with it. It's got a clear. It's basically got the you know the age old gold digger, you know lines running through it. Yeah. But I had a bit of I had a bit of like lyricism where I got what he was saying. Whereas the rest that like shoot to thrill, way to kill. He's just like well too many women. He's like oh I'm a player. Like we get it mate. Just move on. Yeah. On. And oh, just um. Yeah, I got to have a drink on me, and I just said, look, See How Call Me Maybe was literally just an algorithm-created song. <laughs> At this point, ACDC used the algorithm, gave back back in black to it, and just said, make an album. So that's that's the most of what I've got to say on that shit. Um, yeah. Yeah, and Rock and Roll Ain't Noise Pollution, the last song, I just didn't write any notes. <laughs> I couldn't be bothered anymore. Um, it's really just not for me. I won't lie to you. Yeah, sorry, sorry for enforcing that on you. I'm yeah. just like, yeah, I'm no sorry to any ACDC fans out there as well. But uh, yeah, well, yeah, mm. yeah. I don't know what else I would say about it. Like, it just irritates me whenever I hear it. But come on, and it just reminds me of like, uh, uh, what's that bike again? The Hell's Angels or something. Yeah, like <laughs> just guys in vests riding their Harleys, um, just loving noise and not actual like uh, musical content you yeah know? it's just his voice as well it's, he's got that raspy voice but the, the band isn't heavy enough to pull it off yeah I could almost I could I understand it if it was a bit heavier and I guess that was heavy-ish for it's time but there was still metal back then you know like yeah. proper metal and just it's just nothing really it's just a bit album of, <laughs> Put it bluntly. Yeah, I won't lie. Yeah. One thing I will give them credit for is that one time they played to two million people um, 
in like some kind of Russian airfield. <laughs> like that to this yeah. day is the biggest gig that's ever been played. Like, could you imagine playing to two million people? Yeah, two million Russians as well. Yeah, I know. Those um, people <laughs> be going wild as well. They hired the military to like be security for it to stand at the front of the barriers oh shit but then the security joined into the crowd oh shit <laughs> I think something like 20 people died or something <laughs> rock and roll bro it's pretty epic so I'll give them that but apart from that no uh, no musical content at all yeah. um yeah sorry ACDC yeah plus why would you name yourself um from like a concept that you learn in like Nat 5 physics <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean yeah I don't know their their sounds electric ah Nice. I wanted to kill myself even as I said that. So, um, for our bilateral scale, what would you give it? What in God's name are you talking about? Bilateral? Uh, classic or stinker? Oh, yeah. The, yeah, sorry, the scale yeah, I one made too many off. beers. <laughs> uh, one too many beer skis. Um, bilateral stinker. You're two say. souls in and now you're just like gone. Uh, that saw his diff, bro. <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Stinker. Stinker. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah, fair enough. On to the, like, onto the mediocre ones, or onto the good ones? Yeah, yeah mediocre, mediocre ones. ones. You can, ladies first. Yeah, sound. I can't even, what did I give you for the mediocre one? Um, Hounds of Love by Kate Bush. Yes. Yes, yeah. I did. Right, okay. Oh, hell yeah, bro. So, let me scroll down to my notes. And for this, I said, um, yeah, so I've never actually heard of this album before. <laughs> And I'm pretty sure that I've never heard of Kate Bush before. Which is kind <laughs> of a, really? Yeah. But, like, like her name kind of rings a bell, but, like... Did, um, did Running Up That Hill not ring some bells when you heard it? No, I've never heard any song in this album. Oh, okay. It was yeah, a new so experience was, for you. Yeah, yeah, Entirely. yeah. Fair enough. So this was, like, a complete first listen. Mm-hmm. Um, so... So I did some uh, reading up on this album before I listened to it. So yeah. there's this one thing that I just have to read you because it made me like piss myself. It's so funny. <laughs> okay. So it's this uh, like uh, from this magazine called uh, Classic Pop Mag. Yeah. Um, so at that point in time, it's been three years since her last album. People thought that she'd either um, completely uh, stopped doing music or she had gained 20 stone from uh, having a junk food addiction. 20 stone? <laughs> I weigh like 11 stone. <laughs> like, that was some of the rumours that were kicking about. Jesus. <laughs> like, for when she was gone from that period of The Dreaming, was it the album before this one? Uh, I, I think it was. Something like that. Um, my favourite track from this album was the first one. Uh, that is the... That was the... Running the Hill. Off of it, yeah. Yeah. So. Um... Yeah, it's a pretty vibey song, and I like the melody, and it's obviously very mm-hmm. creative. And from what I've kind of read in the past, uh, Kate Bush is a very kind of... Um, she was very talented quite early on, and she got signed at, like, 16 or something and released her first album at 19. Mm-hmm. Um, Fair enough. Yeah. Wow. Kudos, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, I kind of, like... Um, so I like that song quite a lot. Um, w- one thing I kind of picked up on was there's, like, a... Phil Collins Tom uh, from one of the songs you know like from uh, from In The Air yeah know, well like really kind of, oh like doom yeah, yeah really processed yeah, yeah. almost like tribal toms yeah I like, really, like that kind really of really reverby yeah like it's like it's in a, like a big hall you're listening to yeah yeah, 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 yeah. yeah so that was a niche reference if it was yeah, one yeah. Uh, some of the other ones like Hounds of Love I could barely tell the 
um, like this song apart from the last. Um, okay. Yeah. So like like so even from that point, I started to feel like it was kind of getting samey. Yeah. But one thing I've appreciated throughout this whole album was the use of instrumentation. Like it was so creative, and the use of panning between. Uh, different channels. Um, yeah, one thing I um, different ad libs and stuff. I listened to, I listened to a couple of the albums I think, on like just on my speaker and I was listening to them beside. And then I was like, oh shit, I better put like my earphones on just because it's better sound quality and stuff. And I was actually really surprised with how much panning there is and stuff from these albums from you know the seventies, eighties. Mm-hmm. And I was like, fair play. Yeah. Yeah. All um, the cards. Yeah. So I mean, like I could probably talk about this album for a while because there's so many like uh small niche things Mm -hmm. but like just uh just overall like it's very kind of uh like i said before it's just creative and i think i read up a thing that said she actually like she either had her producer or her husband on bass and he wasn't playing it right so she was like right fuck off (laughs) <laughs> right so you're like fuck off so then she started playing it so they got a divorce so <laughs> yes yeah. yeah, so she's um like so you can tell that this whole album's just her her, her vision, genius her basically yeah. Vision, yeah uh so a very creative lady i'll let you crack this open oh yes you hear that listeners that's a oh, in the bag yeah now owen's gonna start to lose sense of <laughs> time slurring words in a hot minute bro <laughs> mm. um one one of my favorites off of there was um cloud busting I yeah if you've got mm. much on that i just thought that was a she she's quite good at the like vivid metaphors stuff that some of the other albums i dug deep into them and i was like oh that's what that means mm-hmm. you know what i mean whereas this it's it's really clear but still you know an effective metaphor like you know bringing happiness so bringing the sun out and then you know cloud busting i was like that's quite interesting and it's a good little rhythm as well to it so for that song i had a note that said that this was a good example of a song being way ahead of its time i was actually surprised it was made like in the 80s yeah when my dad had this album and when we when i was younger like i would we listened to it quite a lot and he had he had a bunch of stuff from the 70s he had this as well and then he also had like some manic street features albums as well so he had more modern ones yeah but this i remember listening and not realizing like this was an album, one of his older albums. I just assumed it was one of the more recent ones. Yeah, yeah. And for it, sure. it, I think the sound in general really holds up as like, if it was released now, it'd be a bit like of a, almost like a niche, almost like an homage, you know, to previous yeah. sounds. Mm-hmm. But it would still hold up. Whereas some of the other stuff we talked about, if someone released it today, I think it would just be. Well, one of the things I forgot to say for Back in Black as well is the the mixing was really like weird, and the the drums were so prominent for something that wasn't, it wasn't interesting. And then the chordy guitars were so in the background, like mm-hmm. the bass. Right. Um, whereas the mixing and mastering and production and all of that, I think is really good to be fair. Yeah. I uh, actually produced most of it, I think, which mm. is also like, I didn't even realize that. Yeah. So she is a bit of a, a, a bit of a wonder. Yeah. Yeah. She mm-hmm. does it all. Um, and the other one, so, <laughs> so I just read my notes. <laughs> Um, for Jig of Life, like, my one bullet point is, uh, sorry, but is that a fucking fiddle? <laughs> because I was so, like, confused because the whole, like, because the whole album was, like, built up on this, like, synth pop sound and then yeah. just a fucking fiddle comes out of nowhere. Yeah. It's just... It's a jig, bro. It's in the <laughs> Yeah, I know. I was like, are you joking? 
Um, but she actually made that song snap. It was quite good. Mm -hmm. And the other one thing I will comment on is Waking the Witch had like one of the best piano uh, uh, pieces in a pop song that I've ever heard. It's such a nice, like dreamy and uh, kind of experimental piano mm -hmm. uh, piece. And I really liked it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So again, like for this album, I never really listened to it for pleasure but I'm glad that I did and uh, like so on our scale in terms of classic or stinker I'd say that it is a classic but like but just not something that I'm going to come back to yeah so yeah okay so but you still think definitely maybe you better um no like not objectively better but subject you would listen to definitely maybe over yeah yeah because okay. it's more up my street okay. of like kind of rock even though yeah. I, like you Oasis is kind of soft rock yeah but, yeah like, this is more kind of, like, I feel like it's on the, I wouldn't say that it's on the verge of, like, psychedelic, but it's just a weird niche that I don't really mm -hmm. like to uh, listen to. That's but I can appreciate how good it sounds. That's fair enough. So there you go. Yeah, no, I do do like that album. And to be fair, I gave it to you as intermediate, and then I re-listened to it a bit myself, just so I knew like what your what songs you were referencing and stuff when you brought it up. Mm -hmm. And I was like, to be honest, I'd probably push this more to like, I don't like it as much as the album that I gave you as my top one, but it's, yeah. you know, it's in the like, you know, 7 out of 10, 7.5 out of 10. Like I do enjoy it quite yeah. a bit. So. Mm -hmm. um, the one you gave me as your mediocre one was Rumours by Fleetwood Mac. Yeah. Now this, this is one where um, like so many of the songs are like classic, everyone's heard this, but I don't think I'd ever listened to this song back to this album, sorry, back to front. And it was, an, again, it was, you know, it was a pleasure listening to it, to be honest. And I was actually surprised. I was all sort of in your camp when we came to these albums. Like, I think classics are a bit, you know, over idolized. Mm -hmm. But I came to this and I was like, to be fair, this is actually, you know, I would definitely come back to this back to front 100%. Um, I said there was great layering in every song. There's yeah. great. Um, varied instrumentation between electric and acoustic as well. One thing yeah. they do is they use acoustic guitars quite a lot, but it doesn't get lost or like, and it doesn't just stick to like, you know, strummy chords that just get washed into the background. Um, one of the things I wasn't sure about is, well, I don't normally like more than one vocals in a band, just as a personal thing. Like, I get it for like one song or like a little segment, but generally if you're like switching back and forth, for me, I don't know, I just like one driving vocal. But I think for this, for most of it, they pulled it off quite well. But um, I don't know which song it was for. Um, you Make Loving Fun? No, no, no. Yes, You Make Loving Fun. Um, oh, no, it wasn't You Make Loving Fun. I can't remember, but there was one song where they were singing together. Um, Dreams. No, no, it was it was later on in the album. I can't okay. remember. I can't remember for the life of me. But um, and they got so washed out. It was like listening to half a choir. You know what I mean? Okay. Yeah. With like you know one half without the other half harmonizing, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And they didn't actually harmonize as much as I thought they would, as like a, a female and a male singer joining together. Um, I quite enjoyed Dreams though. That was that was a good one. She. The, I can't remember who wrote it, if it was Stevie Nicks or the other woman, I can't remember uh, her name, but she said that, oh, I found this drum pattern on the keyboard, and I just went, what a complex drum pattern, that's what I wrote, 
So uh, I love that shit when they're like, oh, I found this on the keyboard. It sounds quite good. And it's just like, it's just the first drum pound you would ever think of if you were mm. six years old. But, uh, no offense, but um, <laughs> Don't Stop. That, well, there's so many, there's a bunch of classics on here. Like Don't Stop is an absolute classic. Um, and one of the, one of the, one of those songs where it comes up a lot, I didn't, but it's like quite keys based, which I think isn't that as common. You know what I mean? Yeah, there's quite, yeah, there's yeah. Know, quite a strong driving piano, sort of bluesy, um, and I enjoyed that. And then I got into, I got to go your own way. So I was doing a bit of you know background, you know, looking into lyrics stuff like that. And there's a whole fucking story behind this shit apparently. So oh, sure, um, really? yeah, yeah. So Lindsay Buckingham, who is the main male voice you'd hear on the album and the, and the guitarist, he told Access Hollywood that effectively every member of the band had gone through a breakup just before writing this song or is in the midst of a breakup. Okay. He had... Stevie Nicks, the female singer that you mainly hear, had just left him for Mick Fleetwood, the drummer. Oh, my God. In the band. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And he wrote... Obviously, he sings on Go Your Own Way. He wrote Packing Up, Shacking Up's All You Want to Do. Yeah. And at the time, I was like, oh, you know, it's just about someone leaving him, kind of aging. But... We don't know, obviously. This is all speculation. But it's pretty clear that's a direct reference to Stevie Nicks going off and leaving him for Mick Fleet with the drummer. Yeah, Jesus Christ. Um, which is which is pretty wild. Um, and it turns out a couple of years ago, um, or a year ago or so, he sued Fleetwood Mac for firing him mid-tour. Oh, my God. They were in the God. middle of the tour and they just... Mate. Like, yeah, yeah. So it's, I did not realise how tumultuous the... Fleetwood Mac general oh, relationship yeah, that's was. so rough. Um, oh, your drummer. Yeah, <laughs> I know. That's a g- bro, bro, the drummers are just players. <laughs> that's the coolest <laughs> ever in the band. <laughs> <laughs> that's the what Steve Nick said. The danger. Yeah. <laughs> Trust me, bro. <laughs> Any band members listed, you watch out for that drummer. The drummer's but, um, always a threat. I thought this was quite a nice... Uh, it's not really a ballad, but like a nice... Um, I don't know what the word for it is, but nice song for someone leaving you, but like you still wanting the best for them. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Not like, you know, it's not a bad, well, I mean, I was going to say it's not a bad breakup, but we just heard the story. So, uh, <laughs> but, um, you know, you still, you still like love them. You want the best for them. I think that's something not actually, a lot of songs just go for the classic, like, oh, I hate you now, or I love you so much. You know what I mean? Yeah. Especially like pop-esque songs. Um, the next one was Songbird, which was actually one of my favourites, and that's it's just a really slowed down, just piano, and um, Christine McVie was the other female that I was trying to think of, uh, just her voice on there, and it's just, um, it's a really simple song, but there's nice allusions in the lyrics. Um, in the hook, she says, the songbirds are singing like they know the score, so originally I was like, I interpret it as like a double entendre. So, you know, the songbirds, like they know the score, as in like the, the music sheets, mm-hmm. they're singing yeah. along. And yeah, then also yeah. like they know the score, they've been in that situation. Um, but when I went into the genius, into the lyrics, I use genius quite a lot for this, I won't lie. Um, songbirds also sing to like attract a mate. And that is what she was trying to do with this. You know what I mean? Oh, that's what she oh, was going for for this song. Yeah, you know what I mean? Okay. So when right. I saw that, I was like, bro, that's got me in the dope piece right there. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, that's yeah. like a triple junction. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I thought that was pretty dope, and it's something I didn't even realize until I went into the deeper. But I just, I think it's a nice little piano riff, and she does have a really nice voice as well. One of the things, even though I didn't enjoy switching about the vocals too much, is they all have great voices, mm-hmm. and it also, with all these breakups and stuff, it's almost like it's every person's point of view. You know what I mean? From what's happening and their relationships and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. So I thought yeah. that was kind of dope. Um, the chain is obviously just like an absolute banger. Mm-hmm. And that bass riff, um, uh, apparently that bass riff at the end came out of like a jam. Basically, that, that bassist had the riff anyway, and they oh, stopped, they finished the song, and it was starting to fade out, and then he just played that. And oh, they, nice, they all nice. sort of copped onto it, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I always, I do love that, like, there's just something about hearing like a natural sound. Yeah. So I didn't know that at the time, but that makes sense when you listen to it. You're like, this is just a natural progression. You know what I mean? It sounds like they're just jamming out. Um, and basically, there was a few instrumentals in there that were like a bit weak. I can't remember. Um, maybe it was, oh, maybe it was Oh Daddy. I don't know. Um, but it does get a bit washed. They use a lot of instruments and they do get a bit washed out with each other. Mm. But on the whole, lovely acoustic stuff that keeps driving the rhythm. The drums aren't, you know, mental, but they're very good. And just all the voices all over it are pretty decent. Um, they're a very tight band for the whole album. It's like they hit uh, together quite well. Yeah, you know? and there's there's never really that... Um, I was Like, I was going to say wall of noise. We've cr- we were just criticising that, like, you know, that definitely maybe, and ACDC sort of just a wash of noise in the background but one thing you can do is like get like everything builds to a crescendo where it's just a wash but it works yeah so it's, it's, that sounds it. that sounds so like you know two-faced like i'm criticizing that and saying you know something can be good but there is a difference mm-hmm. as and i think it is a lot to do to be fair i appreciate mixing and mastering a bit more now because i feel like if those like ACDC songs particularly I've just been like if you just bring the guitars up or the, and the, or the drums down the bass up something like that it would work a bit better as a wall of noise um, but they never really go for that in this it's all like tight set you know to, like playing on time there's no confusion other. between them like it's clear that mm-hmm. um, they're all really good musicians and they're all like on board and switched on with what they're doing you know like there's absolutely no confusion between them and it's yeah. Yeah, quite nice to listen to one of the things about this album, and uh, the reason why I put it kind of as my like at middle ground, is that like in my opinion, I don't, I'm gonna get hate, but like like I think that Fleetwood Mac are kind of overrated. I feel like they're so blown up and overhyped, especially with uh, people my age. Like there's quite a few people that I know that uh, think that Fleetwood Mac are the kind of be all of uh, music in general, really, because yeah. their parents listen to it. Uh, they grew up with Fleetwood Mac and mm-hmm. it's a kind of old and uh, kind of reminds them of like a different time, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, for me, like this album is really good and I do enjoy listening to it. Like it's definitely one that I come back to every now and again. Yeah. But whenever like it comes on, um, say if I'm at like someone's house or whatever, people like 90% of the time will go, Oh, I love Fleetwood Mac. This is so good. (laughs) Oh my God. Yeah, yeah. Whereas I'm just like, yeah, like they're a good band and I like listening to them, but fuck me, they're not like gods. It does feel like that thing we were saying at the start where 
a lot of people maybe feel like they have to. Yeah, you know yeah, I mean? like their sound, and I like listening to them, but yeah. like not blown out of proportion. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's why it's my intermediate. But yeah, yeah, like most of the songs in this album, like it's really nice to listen to, but I wouldn't say that it's, you know, like mind-bogglingly good. Mm. Um, uh, yeah, I would say most of it's... Um, the layering's really good, but other than that, there's nothing too in, like intensely gripping with the instrumentation. Like, mm. there's not that many like solos or... On, on the whole, I think I prefer like a just a like a verse melody that's really cool over like a solo a solo feels like a like a show off but yeah. if i feel like if there's a melody and a verse and it's really dope then mm. it's like it adds to the band yeah. and also like you've managed to show off your talent and made the song interesting yeah um so they have a bit more of, of that but it's it's generally just instruments working together and i'd probably similar to the hounds of love probably like a 7.5 8 out of 10 so like it's a grand album but um it's not one of my favorites ever, but yeah. I would I would say it's a classic. I think. Yeah, it's a Personally. nice album to listen yeah, to. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. Cool. Um, so now on to our favorites. Yes, so indeed. The favorite that you gave me mm-hmm. was "Dark Side of the Moon" by Pink Floyd. Oh hell yeah! Basic fans, rise up. <laughs> Which is actually the least favorite that you gave me. <laughs> well, you know what it is? I was going to give you Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. Mm, yeah, that would have And I was like, this is going to be murder <laughs> at the podcast. Like, someone's going to get killed. So I was like, <laughs> I'll tone it down a little bit. Just to just to say Sasha hates Sgt. Pepper's. So, or, you know, dislikes the Beatles a bit in general. Yeah. So I gave him Dark Side of the Moon as a bit more of a... To, you know, cater to him a little bit. But obviously yeah. I still hate this, so... Um, for me... Like, this album's just not something that I want to listen to ever again. <laughs> like, I listened to it about four times. Uh, there's this uh, podcast out there called 1001 Album Club. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, as uh, so each episode, they go through a, uh, one album that you have to listen to before you die. Yeah. And they go through 1001 of them, basically. Mm-hmm. And for this one, like, I think there's like four or five of them. And they're all like... Oh, my life changed. Oh, there's something like there's an internal shift that happened when I listened <laughs> to this. And they were selling it really well. And I was like, yeah. okay, fair enough. And um, they said that the more you listen to it, the more it kind of uh, consumes you. So I was like, great. On the fifth listen, I was like, please stop. Because. Okay, yeah. I mean, so I understand albums that you kind of pull something out of each time that you listen to it. Yeah. But um, it just didn't do that with me. Mm-hmm. And I understand the whole, like, this album is really, like, about fear and, like, you know, like, fear of death and hypocrisy and losing mm-hmm. oneself and all this. And, mm-hmm. like, it's a deep, influential album from one of the biggest bands ever. But, I mean, for me, this album feels like a... Um, like a body of work that like a music teacher would pick because it's full of musical concept and that's what makes it cool. Okay. Like so, you can name so many cool things that happen, but I wouldn't say that it's particularly well executed. Yeah. Um, um just a just a do you as a quick one? Do you ever listen or do you like um like ambient albums? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I was just for me. I quite like a. I don't mind a cheeky little, cheeky little ambient album, a bit of Brian Eno or something like that. But yeah, for me, this a lot of it is instrumentation. 
Yeah. That particularly on, I think on the run it is, it's, it feels like it is just taking you to space. You know what I mean? When, mm. especially on, on those earphones, <laughs> I'm yeah. like, oh shit, I'm going somewhere. Like I was, I've said a couple times in the past, you know, music taking you to a place. I just like that shit. You know what I mean? There's like the synths going from ear to ear. It sounds like heli rotors going past, stuff like that. It's just, I just think it's, I just think it's dope. Yeah, I've got a funny note about that, but I'll touch okay. up okay. on um, the whole like kind of ambience thing mm-hmm. uh, because I listen uh, to kind of ambient music while I sleep. So there's like a few select albums I like listening to. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, I'm no expert to be fair. It's just. Yeah, like, yeah, no, but like for me, this isn't one I'd be like whap on the sleep playlist, you know. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah, it's not a no, no, no. I wouldn't say it's like it's not an ambient album as it were, but of it. When I was re-listening to it, I re-listened to it earlier. Just the the way the. It just it's just an album. No, uh, sorry, that's not a very good description. <laughs> but it just runs. There's no pauses, but there's n- it doesn't like it doesn't tire you out with like no stopping. If that makes sense. Yeah. It doesn't feel like it's like keeping going on and on. You're like, oh god, but there's no pauses, and they all run into each other in a, like such a natural way. Mm-hmm. I was just I don't know. Yeah. I just really do love it. I won't lie. One thing I will give this album credit for. Is their use of segues yeah. throughout the whole uh, kind of album? Mm-hmm. Um, and I which, think for me as well, that concept of like going to it's dark side of the moon. You know what I mean? And the album cover as well is like you're going to space. Yeah, and that feels like it's like a constant journey. You're going there. You know what I mean? For me yeah, well, so. um, yeah, because like this album feels more of an experience than a body of music, nice. which is hippie talk. Yeah, right thanks. There, yeah. yeah, thanks. Um, but for some of the th- uh, songs, like it starts off with "Speak to Me," yeah, which did nothing of sorts in my <laughs> opinion. It's a super cheesy suspense build to what is already a kind of anticlimactic song in my opinion. I didn't like it at all. <laughs> Shit, you're going in. <laughs> no, like I'm just yeah, trying I mean, to articulate what you know. Yeah, like, yeah, that's kind fair. Of, that's fair. Um, for yeah, for me, I guess I can understand that. Like, it's nothing. It's definitely not one of the best intros I've heard you know what I mean there's yeah. definitely been better since mm-hmm. but uh, yeah I didn't really have anything on that to be honest but once it gets into breathe I think it you know yeah I think it's fine but I can understand when you got an intro you expect like a a hit almost yeah and this just kind of gradually goes into it which I can understand it might be a bit annoying but breathe was just like a sleepy cowboy song which is mm-hmm what kind of solidified in my memory, but also like the lyrics were like, they were just as bland as like watery hummus, you know what I mean? Like they were so like, uh, like their kind of AABB rhyming scheme is just like, kind of reminds me of uh, like a nursery rhyme almost. And I think they said, the lyrics I have here, for long you live and how you fly, but only if you ride the tide. It just sounds like uh, like a poem from Shrek almost, you know what I mean? Do you not think, it works though with that oh that's like that sort of spaced out sound that they're going for yeah sure cause the, the okay you can you don't have to <laughs> no, do, no. you don't have to agree bro but I just no I just think um um you know th- th- one of the things that fascinates me as well is it's one of the only, one of the few albums where I got like the theme 
fairly quickly without having to like look it up. You know what I mean? I got like a my theme because everyone takes their own things away. Yeah, no, you're right. And yeah. I got this theme, you know, just of like this first song, breathe is like telling you to live your life while you can, basically. Because mm-hmm. um, it's like you know your life is. Yeah, because you're heading towards a grave or something. Yeah, like yeah. It's, it's, it's all you touch and all you see is all your life will ever be. So it's just like, go create your own legacy while you can because it'll be over quick enough. You know yeah. what I mean? Mm-hmm. So that's fair enough. And it just it just takes it takes you to it takes you on a journey, <laughs> Sasha. Open your <laughs> open your dome piece, bro. But no, it takes you from yeah. there through you know it takes you what you know t- through war, um, through you know the greediness and people wanting money. And just takes you eventually to, I think it starts in a hopeful place, like go live your life. And then after going through these, you know, um, things like in in time, it's like, oh, we do only have not very long left. It's like a similar message to breathe. Yeah. And then money, it's like everyone's chasing money, basically. Us and them is like war. It happens so much. We're all just people. Why are we just puppets for nations? And it goes through all these messages. And then by the end, it's like, okay, maybe life really isn't worth it. You are just like a a brief note in history books, you know what yeah. I mean? So it goes from live your life to do this to, well, your life's pointless, so who cares, you know what I mean? And that's just a, it's just something, it's somewhere, it's somewhere it takes me. It, I guess it's just not for you, the way you're looking at me. No, no, it's just not, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> that's fair enough, I know. Um, yeah, for some other uh, songs like On The Run, which is basically just reminds me of like being at an airport like it sounds like some guy's running to catch up playing um and it's just like another psychedelic song that kind of leads nowhere in my opinion mm-hmm. um their use of natural sounds like the helicopters and breathing and running it just sounds like um have you ever tried a synthesizer uh, like a music shop they just randomly started spamming keys yeah it kind of sounds like that where it's like a preloaded sample pack on a like a midi keyboard that just plays random kind of ambient noises okay um that aspect i would i would agree hasn't aged that well because you could go into like a keyboard shop and be like these are these sounds are pretty cool yeah at the time it works thematically and they would have had to at least you know select them rather than being like a sample pack on the keyboard so i can understand it yeah i do i do understand that though like it is when i was saying like it takes me somewhere the you know the some of the sounds like are a bit cheap you know like the running and stuff like that but it got pretty milked in my opinion i was just like right come on that's right um time Mm -hmm. was one that i kind of remember very well because during our second rehearsal ever as a band Dylan made me play this song (laughs) but like he was so into Pink Floyd and he um he soloed to this for about what must have been at least 12 minutes while I played just the chords which is like very standard simple Mm -hmm. chords and he was just jamming like like I just me and him like in the garage for like yeah. And you didn't have the confidence to say, shut the fuck up. Dude. Yeah, you, you know. You just met him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just met the boy and I was like, <laughs> right, okay, I'll just play these chords for him. And he was just popping off. Yeah. And I was like, okay, this is milked. Um, so, like, yeah, the song takes a while to kick off. I think it's like two and a half minutes of filler before there's any kind of, <laughs> like, voice that gets it. No, I'm sorry. I know I'm being hard. <laughs> no, 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 bro. I'm into that. I'm all for the discourse, you know. Yeah. Um... 
but once you get uh, kind of uh, past all the padding, uh, this would be a song that I would listen to had it not been for all the, you know, stuff around it. Yeah. Um, There's maybe a single version for you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah maybe. Yeah. I might just remix this song <laughs> yeah. to, like, get rid of all the fluff. Yeah. And then The Great Gig in the Sky, like, oh, my God. Why the screaming? Like, it starts off with such a nice piano score, and then... Well, I said... Well, one thing I, I put down here, like, the great gig in the sky, I think, is in reference to, you know, some sort of afterlife, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I saw it as, like, a... I, I, was, I was trying to... I do love this album, so I was kind of pushing it a bit here when I was like, maybe it's, like, an an- <laughs> angelic choir, you know okay. what I mean, like, welcoming you. And I was listening to it, like, you know, maybe just about... But I, it is a bit shriek, doesn't it? Well, so. it's not... So the Angelic. <laughs> well, actually, so the band mm-hmm. didn't. Um, they included the girl mm-hmm. uh, screaming. They had her in last minute because they wanted her to simulate screaming an orgasm. Um, mm. That was their like a kind of intention with it. Oh, dope! So not kind of angelic in any way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, this girl had actually sued them like a few years later because they didn't put her name. No, uh, they put her name on the album, but they never gave her writing credits, so she mm-hmm. never got any money from it. Oh, okay. which considering this was like one of the top selling albums ever, yeah, was kind and of both, milked. Um, both of the main members are worth over like a hundred million dollars now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so that was another thing while I was <laughs> reading. I was like, these guys are just <laughs> on a roll with me. Uh, money. So I'll just quickly touch past seven four time signature. Whoa, yeah. metal, cool baseline. Yeah. Uh, surprising that it's kind of like a catchy song, but um, I feel like the seven four time signature is like forced onto you rather than actually I would I would have felt that if not I think the baseline brings it back a bit I think it the baseline does feel it doesn't feel like it's cut off like it feels like that's its natural progression mm-hmm. you know what I mean yeah um, other than that some of it does feel a bit you know like why is this 7-4 but yeah you know. apparently it's the only song ever to reach number one as 7-4 so which oh. would make sense but I yeah. didn't realise it reached number one was more the main thing yeah but. Um, but yeah, uh, this was actually my favorite song from the album. Uh, Money's kind of a slapper. Fair enough. Um, compared to the rest <laughs> you of the just album. got that in your notes. Yeah. Money kind of slaps. <laughs> and then just the rest is like mellow, spacey. Like I get the whole psychedelic thing. And yeah, like I just have no feelings towards most of this album. That's fair enough. Yeah. Um, now I can understand that. Like I, I do kind of get that. Like it's, it's quite, it's quite ambient, but not ambient enough so you can put it on the background. Yeah, you're right. If you I were, know. so I do understand that. Um, One of the things that I had been reading up about for this album and why, like, it was uh, considered to be the greatest of all time and stuff, mm-hmm. is that they were one of the first bands to use a sixteen-track. Uh, record so they could layer their sounds which is why it sounds so like spacey and stuff and that's probably one of the reasons why it got so acclaimed is because they were one of the first to do this kind of stuff whereas now you can add like 300 uh, multi-tracks to your computer so that was another kind of so another example of 
um, being revolutionary for their time, mm. um, but now wouldn't be that impressive. Mm. And then following on uh, from what you said about it being like a sleep kind of album was uh, th- like, this is from a guy who has called it the most overrated album of all time. He said that lately he's come around to liking Dark Side of the Moon because it helps him sleep, not because of the musical content of it. Okay. Um, I'm presuming he meant that as a dig. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. He okay. said, like... I mean, there's a lot of albums I like that help me sleep, to be fair, so... Yeah, yeah, but, like, I feel like... He meant it in a negative way. Yeah, it, like, this is an album that's supposed to be, like, musical, <laughs> yeah. but this is one He's that's, not like, trying to sleep, but it actively sends <laughs> yeah. to sleep. yeah. Uh, he said, maybe now I understand what those stoners were doing back in 1973 when uh, oh. Dark Side came out because it chills you out and My. stuff. Dodge your head, stoners. Um, <laughs> Shots coming. So, sorry for the long-form analysis of the album, but there's a lot. No, I was, still, I was, I was just totally like, into that. Because uh, uh, upon re-listening uh, a couple times, I was like, oh, shit, I forgot how much I can go into this. So Basically... Uh, closing statements for me it's too out there it's just not to the point you know what I mean okay yeah yeah. it's just not my kind of thing Mm -hmm. and definitely one of the most kind of overrated albums in my opinion yeah it's fair enough so what classic or stinker uh classic You sat there like a hundred percent overrated. I hate this album. Classic or stinker? Oh, it's a classic. It's a classic for me. No, like not from. Um. Yeah, that's no, fine. Yeah. Um, not from my radar, but I can appreciate the the kind of um, influence or yeah, the mm-hmm. aura. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's surrounding it. So, like, it's a classic in that sense. The reason why the kind of Oasis one was the only one that was like stinkers because it's like nothing's cool about it like it's just like a, just a rock band that got like a deal to you know yeah. fucking go and record an album whereas this thing, is like I feel like the, any band could recreate or uh, definitely maybe yeah, after exactly. listening to it twice mm-hmm. whereas the Pink Floyd one it has a you know an ounce of originality <laughs> No, the I'm reason joking. I say it's classic <laughs> is because there will never be another album like this again. Yeah, there we go. That's yeah, yeah. That's a good. That's a good way to put it as well. I think. Um, non. Ah, oh, fuck. What's the word I'm trying to think of? Like you can't counterfeit it. You know what I mean? Um, non. Refundable. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Anyway. I don't know. I know what you mean though. Yeah. Get the general gist. Yeah. Well, that was a scathing review of <laughs> Thank you, thank you. Um, oh, your God. top one for me was Unknown Pleasures by Joy Division. I, yeah. saw, I sort of saw this coming, I won't lie. Um, and this is one I think we're going to agree more <laughs> okay. on, uh, on this one. Just straight off the bat, I think it's a classic for me, just yeah. to be honest. And it's just such a... Oh, it's just such a sound they create. Like, so, so unique. They go, like song to song with each song has its own identity but their sound mm-hmm. if that makes sense and yeah. it's just it's just so good it's just so good I can't even no, can't even go great, into it honestly, I fucking love this album but honestly so one much. thing I um I've previously been like so into the bass is one thing one reason I've crit- Chris well like critically think about quite a lot of um bass in some of these more 
in more classic albums, a lot of the time the bass is like an extra layer, basically, mm-hmm. of just like it's like the the chords of your left hand on the piano. What do you call that? Bass. So the bass chords, do you call it? Yeah. That? Okay, the bass chords on a piano. <laughs> <laughs> bass chords. That's what I meant. That's what That's I said. Where the bass notes are. Yeah, yeah, so you yeah. Play like the root notes usually on the like your left yeah. hand. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll move on sorry. from my me being uh, piano players are just <laughs> cursing me out right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's basically yeah, it's like the bass chords on a piano. It's like just there to add. Yeah, you know, depth. add the depth and a bit of rhythm as well. Mm-hmm. But yeah, on this the the bass is like yeah, like the melody and the rhythm at the same time. And it just if it was on each song for this, if it, if the bass line was on another album, you'd be like. God, this bassline's amazing. It's the best one on the album. Yeah. But yeah. each song, you're like, holy shit. And he just drives it so well. And one of the things I read a while ago is the that Joy Division write drums first. And that just makes sense when... Like, originally, I was like, I have no idea how they do that mm. because I can't imagine doing that as our band. But when you listen to their sound, it just makes sense because I feel like he's so talented. He just gets the rhythm off the drums and then finds a melody for it, if that makes sense. Um, but because of all this and, you know, like the, like those guitar tones, like, cause you get so much freedom, it's just like shrieking atmospheric and it's like hauntingly beautiful, if it will. Yeah. Will. Uh, um, not having a second guitar does allow, um, the kind of lead guitar to have a lot of room to, uh, to stand out in um, because if you have two guitars sometimes they can clash tones they can compete with each other so you need to work out how to make them uh, sound good together but like for Joy Division they don't have that problem the bass is occupying the lower uh, kind of registers and the lead guitar just has uh, free reign over that kind of yeah. uh, range so it's always uh, nice to hear a lot of the time it sounds like he's almost like like vaguely just jamming out what he's hearing from the other from the drum mm, drummer in the yeah. bass, but like like a super talented guitarist doing that because it, it works for pretty much every song. Um, but because of all this instrumentation that's so unique to them, I didn't really ever think of the lyrical density within a lot of these tracks. Like I didn't really appreciate it fully. Um, stuff like in disorder, he's um, he actually references his Ian Curtis references his own epilepsy. Yeah. So he says, um, like cars are crashing, lights are flashing, getting frequent now, and it's just like a, it's like a rough reference to you know things starting to you know get a bit wild stuff like that. Um, and he covers when you go into each song, like he covers you know his own epilepsy. He covers seeing a girl, or like be, knowing a girl with epilepsy who eventually dies from that seizure. Um, you know, war and the horrors of war and the dangers of politics. It's just like it covers so much. Um, my two favorites I picked out clearly were Dark Side of the Moon and Unknown Pleasures. And I would say Dark Side of the Moon thematically feels more like it goes like the singer specifically goes from one place to another, if that right. makes sense yeah. on that thing. So in Breathe, he's like, um, you know, live your life while you can, it's only short. Then he experiences, you know, people greed, people trying to gain money, war himself, similar to Day of the Lords. And then by the end, he's like, well, life is short. What am I doing here? It's pointless, basically. Whereas here, he kind of seems to me to flip about a bit more between um, 
between songs, but like each one is l- lyrically dense and metaphorically dense as well. When you prop, when you really listen to it, and I had to look up a lot of it because I guess that's a criticism for me is a lot of his writing is so poetic that I did have to. I would I would want a better mind to understand it. You know what I mean? That's well, I'm the lyricism was something that the band actually regrets not listening into more because obviously I kind of Ian uh, committed suicide and mm-hmm. that was something that was apparent kind of in his uh, lyrics. Yeah. But um, because at the time they didn't have a good PA and they never really listened to everything yeah. fully. Like it was kind of like as everyone stuck to their own parts yeah. and that was something that even and they one missed. thing they um I've seen them say as well. Ian Kurt said himself that, you know, perhaps he was in denial in some way, but he said, well, no, not, he wasn't, he wasn't in denial of anything. He said he never really wrote a song particularly thematically. It was all just subconscious, mm. which I think speaks to it even more. Um, but other band members said at the same time, like, we're not trying to, you know, write to any particular theme. We just write what we want. We don't want people to know what we think. And yeah. um, I think someone said that like specifically. And that, yeah, like you were saying, that just speaks to that and makes this, like, that haunting sound of the whole album just even more, you know, like, poignant, as it were. Yeah. It's just, yeah, especially when you know the the background behind it, it's, like, a, it's an intense album. Like, I feel like with this album, like, I'm listening to it once I've got it on. I'm not doing anything else, I'm listening to it. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the yeah. priority. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah. Some of the things that I have to comment on uh, for this album was so kind of most of uh, the information that I have about Joy Division and this album was from reading uh, Peter Hook's book called Unknown Pleasures. Oh yeah, and yeah. it was a biography about the band and how they met and how they recorded and uh, kind of Ian's death and stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, some of the stories are so funny. I could probably talk about yeah that one book for like a whole episode, but. Some of the things he said, which I hope my memory is not tricking me, but I'm pretty sure they recorded the drums one piece at a time uh, when they were on a roof. So they had the ambient of the city behind them while playing literally just one like snare or just the kick. Just to get like the perfect um, tone out of that. Yeah, which yeah. the producer just uh, kind of... And not manufactured, but it gave them like 100% control over the entire yeah. sound, which is why they're so iconic. Yeah, and those, yeah, those drums, now that you say that, I think you've told me that before, but it's so clear when you say that because the drum tone is like, it's inch perfect, you know what Yeah, I mean? yeah, exactly. There's nothing, like each sound is so separate, but synchronized as well. It's it's, a, it's something hard to describe, but it just works so well. There's no, like, frequency that's gone to waste. Yeah. Uh, but also, one of the things I want to know is, back then, surely they didn't have, like, a MIDI pack. So, like, yeah. how did they record so, like, on time when just, like, just try imagine playing, like, just the snare. Like, how the fuck? You know what I mean? Just, like, especially at the point. Po- yeah, exactly. Like, I... Um, like he's a he is like a great drummer as well. It's the tone is one thing that I've taken away before. Like holy shit, that's amazing. But he is also you hear throughout like he is actually an excellent drummer. Yeah. Um. On and, and a lot of classic albums, you really just don't hear that, do you? Like, I keep going back to these two, just shitting on them. But you know, definitely maybe and back in black, <laughs> you don't come away from that going, oh, great drummer. <laughs> yeah, great drumming in there. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, I know. Um. Yeah, for me, like, playing that kind of disjointed, it's like trying to play guitar, uh, playing, like, 
um, playing a chord, but like one string at a time. You're like, how? How? Yeah. How the hell do you do that? Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, the drums obviously iconic. The bass is iconic. It's just everything about this band. It just, it just uh, screams classic banger. And this is one that I come back to uh, so often. I have it on vinyl, and I stick it on when. Um, when I just want to rejoice, you know? So, <laughs> so, so yeah, no, I love this album so much. Yeah. Um, so I'm glad that you enjoyed it as well. Yeah, so I had that as a classic. I'm guessing you had that as a classic. Yeah, as well. yeah, definitely. Um, oh, for for the albums you gave me, what what would you say for, like, Fleet? I'm guessing you put Back in Black and Stinker. Well, yeah, yeah, we Stinker. Can just, yeah, we can get that um, out of the way. But for, the, for Rumours, what would you for say? For Rumours, classic. And this okay. is a classic as well. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. yeah. So okay, well, fair plus. Fair plus, fair play, sorry. <laughs> oh, well, fair plus, like mate. A plus. <laughs> a plus. A star. Well, cool. that's our um, our take on a few classic albums. And I think it's good. Um, I didn't shit on them as much, I would say. You <laughs> fairly <laughs> shat on them. Which isn't bad, though. I'm glad that we did that because we are just being honest. Yeah. And we're not just pandering to these, like, a lot of the time. Not norms, but, you know, a lot of people are kind of like... Oh, this is so, you know, this is musical sensations that we're here listening mm. to. The main takeaway from this is um, don't be afraid to challenge the norm. Yeah. And um, we're inspiring people right now. Yeah, I know. Yeah. yeah, we're just influencers right now. I'm yeah. just like so off my feels. I'm <laughs> yeah. spitting facts. Put some right emotional now. music behind but- <laughs> Don't be afraid to challenge the norm. But yeah, basically, like if people are trying to kind of influence your music in one way by saying that you need to listen to like a certain amount of bands or like a certain album in order to qualify uh, the fact that you have a good taste or uh, you're not a real guitarist until you love Van Halen or like whatever just like the main takeaway is just like fuck that you know yeah. what I mean? just listen to what you like to listen to um, one of the things that we kind of discuss uh, quite a lot that I I uh, kind of like is that there are no guilty pleasures. Yeah. Um, you like the music that you like to listen to. And like, if people are like, why are you listening to, you know, fucking Lil Tecca, bro? It'd be yeah. like, piss off. He, he slaps. Yeah. So, he slaps, bro. I'll listen to whatever I want. Yeah. Um, so, so that was from, basically the point. From me and Curtis to Lil Tecca, we cover it all. <laughs> we cover it all. Yeah. Yeah. That was the point. It was just like, I don't want to say be yourself, but just listen to the music that you enjoy listening to yeah. and fuck whatever else thinks, basically. Exactly. Yeah. Never a truer word. Mm-hmm. Um, now, also, because this is the first episode of this month, we thought we would start a theme of just going through some music we listened to last month, some new shit we listened to um, that we've been put on to that we enjoyed. So we're going to go for a little break and come back and then just give a just a you know quick 10-minute run-through of just some of the shit we liked from... Last month. Yeah. So, yeah, no, I'm done. Oh, okay. I'm going to get another beer, so... Okay. <laughs> See you in a bit. Alright. Let's go. Okay, Ooh. welcome back after that really short interlude. Um, piss, piss break. Um, so, if you listen this far... You're the OG. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you very the much. One, the one OG. <laughs> the one, yeah, like, if you're actually listening at, like, this point of the episode... Congratulations. Then, yeah, thank you so much. You've actually made it this far. Yeah. Um, there's only a couple of minutes to go, I promise. <laughs> Basically, um, 
so as you said before, we've now set up a thing where it's like uh, the first episode of every month, we're just going to be uh, telling each other our hot picks uh, for the month and just what we're kind of into. Yeah. Uh, so should I go first? Is yours from like released January 2020 or they just no no just okay, stuff yeah. that I've just discovered okay yeah yeah that's um, mm-hmm. so I've got like a few albums I've liked to listen to uh, the first one was uh, kind of you and I were both listening to this while we were playing FIFA and that was uh, the um, the Oz Mutantes band oh yeah uh, I self- thought you were going to say more life for a second <laughs> All right. I was like don't tell me that's a hot pick for you no um, so they're called Oz Mutantes, which I believe translated from Brazilian is The Mutants. Um, uh, they have a self-titled album and they're a Brazilian psychedelic rock band from the 1970s. Um, really cool tribal rock, yeah, psychedelic, um, just weird, cool Brazilian vibes and yeah. uh, such a nice album to listen to. It's, it's, like, it's kind of one that you kind of feel like an intellectual when you're listening to it. Yeah, it's a bit of a, yeah, it's uh, quite a nice little um, niche album. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, should I carry on? Yeah, or um, do you... yeah, no, just carry, just to say minor a bit more. I, I kind of got a bit sort of poppy last last. Uh, okay, last fair part, enough. Yeah, well, no, my, like, uh, so right now I have two albums and uh, three songs. I'll get to the songs in a second. Cherry by Harry Styles. <laughs> Cherry by Harry Styles. And Cherry by Harry Styles. Um, so the other album that I've been into lately is Felt by a band called Felt. So I spelt like, um, like you felt something. Yeah. Um, so they're a 70s psychedelic rock band uh, from Alabama. You're into your 70s. Um, yeah, I don't know what it is. Like I, Like, I know that we just... Yeah, uh, talked about the uh, classics and how you don't have to conform to that stuff, but yeah. I, I don't know. Like, I found a few albums I like. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is, um, these are from, I think four or five guys that um, they self-recorded this album when they were uh, between seventeen and nineteen. So when they were kind oh, of our age. Yeah. Um, I hate. Them. And I hate those stories. Like, <laughs> they have now been known to have produced one of the most. I'm trying to think of a word for this. Nah, scratch that. Basically, they're just known to have produced such a great album. Mm-hmm. And uh, the story of them getting together is that um, the lead singer's dad, he was kind of like, he was kind of in the music industry. And he, um, the lead singer met three of the other band members at a festival. And two hours later, they were playing to 1,000 people on stage at that same festival. Oh, shit, okay. So they, like... It's kind of like, um... What's the name? Royal Blood. Man, they, so they met in a, at an airport. I think their plane was delayed or something. They both met in an airport. Oh, really? And the next day, they played their first gig, just the two of them. Oh, what? Yeah. Oh, that's fucking sad. That's I didn't know wild, that. Yeah. Oh, shit. Mm. So, yeah, no, basically, like, they just kind of met spontaneously. And they're, um... Like, what I was trying to say before is that, like, this album's mostly improv. Um, so this is, like, one of the greatest improv albums ever. Yeah. And that's kind of how they started off. They just met randomly at a festival, and they were like, uh, there's a free slot. Do you want to go and fucking uh, play uh, to a thousand people? Those are the days. Um, if only you <laughs> yeah. just turn up at Transmit be like, there's a free slot. You want to hop on? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that was pretty cool. Um, and, yeah, they, they got 
uh, kind of big in Alabama. And, yeah. Uh, um, yeah, no, it's fine. So the three songs I had was um, Fallen Bees by Sleepy Dog, a kind of like a nice bedroom pop band with super beachy chords. Yeah, just go and listen to them. Mm-hmm. And then the second one was by a band called Van Sire, and uh, they had a song called Meta Modernity. Like, modernity? Yeah. Meta modernity? Yes. <laughs> like, why did you name your song that? Yeah. Anyway, uh, they're like a synth pop band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A kind of a vibe. And then this is, this is the one that, you know how you said that you're getting kind of poppy? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know why like why I included this, but uh, my third song is uh, Blueberry Fargo by Lil Moti. Blueberry Fago, yeah. Is it Fargo? Yeah, no, sorry, Fago. Fago, Fago yeah. yeah, Blueberry Fago. Oh, uh, what bop. Um, Cheeky little banger there. <laughs> my caption is just, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> yeah, you kind that of introduced me to that I one. Say so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. Kind of a vibe. He's like fucking 18 as well. Yeah. I hate him as well. Mm. Oh, well. Um, yeah, no, mine's less like like pop as in like mainstream. It's more just like pop, like the actual genre, you know what I mean? So, yeah. Mm. I've got just like four albums, but I've... Um, there's specific songs and stuff I like from them, but there's first one's uh, an album called Color Theory by Soccer Mommy. So like, oh yeah, Soccer Mommy. But y- I've yeah. heard that. Yeah, 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 mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah, <laughs> uh, no, yes. So it's Soccer just, Mommy. <laughs> ah, this the the Soccer Mommy. Yeah, they got a song called like uh, Circle of Drain or some shit like that. I was f- fucking vibing to that shit. Yeah. Bro. Yeah, it's a good song. Yeah, I know. So that's probably that was probably mm. my favorite off the album. But it's just a nice little. It's like a indie rock singer songwriter uh, vibes, mm. and it's just a nice little album. Most like the way I would describe most of these albums, it's just like it's a nice little album. You know, yeah, like, you just listen to it. You're yeah. like, oh, that's nice. Um, next one is the the Japanese house. Good at falling. It's kind of like a it's like a synth pop um, album, and uh, another female lead. Um, who she really she can really nail the hook so like mm-hmm. it's just it's you know it's less it's less um happy vibes but it's it's you know it's good stuff and i d- enjoy the production um there's quite a lot of you know oh i love you miss you and stuff but you know that's grand the, the, the production is really nice yeah. um phoebe bridger's punisher this is one i sh- listened to in 2020 but i didn't really get that hooked but last month i was proper going for it um it is just like a really, it's such a, like a, each song's like a really beautiful song, which I just, I just love about it. And, um, I think it's garden song. It's one of the more like, um, choir songs on there, but I still just fuck with it heavy. Mm-hmm. Um, so those three are more just kind of, you know, poppy, bit singer songwriter as well. And then the last one was, um, by a band called Teen Suicide. Uh, the album was called, it's the big joyous celebration. Let's stir the honey pot. Well, that's the album name. That's the album name, yeah. <laughs> um, but it's kind of like it's kind of like bedroom rock, um, with like lo-fi production. Um, and I was looking into some of the like descriptions of it, and all of them were like, "It's infuriating," because you can tell the guy behind it is a genius, but like he's just going so off script for a lot of it that like if he just structured his thoughts a bit more. But it is one where remember. Like a week ago, so you were listening to Twin Fantasy. Yeah. Like for, um, I don't know if it was your first time, but it was like your first proper time. Like, yeah, that was my first time. Oh, yeah. shit, yeah. But you were going into it and you were saying one of the things you loved is like just shit came in that worked so well, but you would never expect. Yeah. This this is just packed full of like 
you don't know, you know the inverse coming. of that. Yeah. yeah. No, 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 no. It's like you don't know what to expect. Oh right. Okay. It's like he's got like, it's like he's got ADHD as like as it's like the songs are like a an encapsulation of ADHD. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like okay. he's just going all over the place, but he's yeah. still a genius. Yeah. Um. I, he's really he's clearly like a talented songwriter and shit. Um, I can't remember his name. They were specifically referencing. I think it's a whole band, but it's like the man, you know, mm-hmm. the main man behind it. Um, but those were the main four, to be honest. Um, that last one's got really like lo-fi. Oh, actually, I don't think that album does, but that uh, that band, there's a few songs and albums where they have like really lo-fi production where it like sounds like you're on the phone to someone and they're playing as a band in like a bedroom. Oh right, and you're okay. listening through a phone, yeah. which is it. It's it's a bit of a strain, but it, it is kind of like a vibe once you get into it. Yeah. But those are yeah, those are my four main ones to be honest. I hope to listen to a lot more new ones this month. And I think from starting this podcast, I'm already like trying to like actively searching for new stuff. It's more, much more satisfying when you find it. Yeah, it's I mean, already paying off, isn't you it? You have to like you do have to sift through some where you're like that's fine. But even listening to like albums where you're like it's fine, you get a couple songs where you're like I really enjoy that. So. Yeah. It's well worth it. And we're hoping to do this first episode of every month. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hopefully if we remember to do that. True. Uh, 100% <laughs> we'll forget at some point. But, we'll. um, but yeah, no, that's the episode for this week. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed. I don't know what we're doing next week, but you know, it'll be a bit improv. You yeah. do? Wait, do you know? No, I don't know. Oh, no, you no, don't know. No. Okay. Okay, that's fine. Um, so yeah, we'll decide on that soon. Uh, also, hope you enjoyed the promo for this week that was my sexy body you're saying <laughs> ladies and gentle people put so much effort into yeah that. I'm a bit of a snack what can I say <laughs> we've been going for quite a while as well have we I think this is maybe longer than Strokes one is it yeah 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 it's definitely <laughs> yeah. long yeah. yeah but anyway um, no I enjoyed talking about it I hope it didn't get too boring so yeah we'll see you next week cool Good. au revoir alright thanks everyone Farewell. I think